Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church. And when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sandy Creek Stirrings. And I want to thank you, the listener, for joining me today here on this podcast episode. I truly hope that you have been enjoying the podcast episodes here. I've been looking over some stats from this past year, 2021, and to begin some review, listens and listeners are up by 154%. Added 13 new countries to our listeners from around the world, and so I've got some great other things that have been done here on the podcast in the 2021 year. And really just have enjoyed this time that hopefully you have enjoyed as well. And we've got to spend some time together, me talking to you. I don't know, maybe you've been talking back to me. I haven't heard anything, but uh, as far as you audibly, but I do get messages from you every now and then. So thank you, listener, for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. If you have any questions on where does that name come from, where does the name Sandy Creek Stirrings come from, let me encourage you to go to our website. Our website is sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's sandycreekstirrings.com. Simply go to our About page, and it talks about where the name came from. And the great man of God, who really inspired many things within me, lived a couple hundred years ago, but inspired many things in me, and that's kind of where the name came from, is a man by the name of Shubal Stearns in the Sandy Creek Baptist Church in North Carolina. So let me encourage you to go to our website, take a look at that when you have the opportunity. Now, I know of some who have recently asked about our um, about our intro. They hear a few different voices. Of course, I start off, welcome to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Menes. And, um, and then they hear some other voices as well. And um, let me give you a little intro. Intro. Let me give you a little idea into who is talking within that intro. That would be um, when it first starts off. You got to win souls because you love souls. You know, that whole uh, spiel. Um, that would be Dr. Lee Robertson, who pastored um, back in the late 1900s, mid-1900s, and uh, pastored the Highland Park Baptist Church that originally started Tennessee Temple. And, of course, neither of those places are what they used to be, but um, was a great man of God, a true, true man of God. And so we've played some of his messages here on the podcast before, and uh, but just love his influence, love going back and reading his writings 
and the way he preached. And so he's been a big influence on me, even though he's passed on now and never got to meet him in person. The second voice that you hear on there is Dr. Dave McCoy. And he says, you know, it pays to serve God. And um, Dr. McCoy recently passed away. Uh, earlier this year, and uh, was a great man of God. We've had him here on the podcast before, did an interview episode with him, and had a big impact on my life. The third the third um, gentleman you hear is Dr. Scott Cottle. He's been on this podcast before, and we've done an interview episode with him. Been an instrumental influence in my life, even as a young kid, when we first um, left our church to go to the mission field. And that was the first time I met him when we went up to our mission board. Uh, the fourth voice you hear is my father, and that'd be Pastor Patrick Jimenez, and of course he's been on an interview as well. And then the fifth voice is uh, Dr. Dave Summerdorf, and um, a great evangelist, great man of God. And so all of those men have had a big, big impact on me, and all those men except for Dr. Lee Robertson um, have been on the podcast for an interview episode. And so those are who those voices are. And um, But if you have any further questions, you can always contact me on the contact page on our website or email me, joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Of course, let me encourage you as well to help other listeners be able to find this podcast. If you would, go to Apple Podcast, if that's what you listen on, if you listen on Apple Podcast, then let me encourage you to go and leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and that will allow other people to be able to find this podcast easier. As well, you can leave us a Facebook um, Facebook review, and uh, that would be a great blessing. Let's go ahead and get into our episode today. We've been talking about where is my church going? Where is my church going? Ten signs that your church is changing. We just released the um, first part of this mini-series we'll be going on, and that was just before we did our previous episode, an interview with Dr. Jack Bachman. Wasn't that a great episode? That was great. I surely enjoyed um, sitting down with him and being able to record that podcast, and oh, it was just great. Great to be able to spend time with him. But just before that episode, we released Where's My Church Going? Ten Signs Your Church is Changing, Part 1, and um, talked about the importance of not changing, on settling what the Word of God says and sticking to it and not changing. And if you're a listener, you you are most likely independent fundamental Baptist. Um, if you're not, I don't know how you're still listening. And um, but definitely big independent fundamental Baptist here on this podcast. And uh, given from the viewpoint, everything we talk about is given from a very biblical viewpoint. And um, a lot of your other denominations, um, just frankly, they're not going to hold to that. And uh, so, but most of my listeners are independent fundamental Baptist. Maybe you're listening because you want to rip us. I don't know. And, uh, but um, that's where we're kind of coming from. If you're an independent fundamental Baptist and you believe that from the Word of God, not based on what your parents said, not based on what your pastor says, not based on this or that, but based on what the Word of God says, if that's what you are and you've determined that in your heart, why change? Why change? Why change? Just stick to it and keep going for the cause of Christ and just um, get rock solid in your beliefs. And so we began talking about some things about how Paul encouraged Timothy not to change, about sticking to the old paths. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6, wherein is the good way? And so there's something to be said about just old-fashioned Christianity, old-fashioned religion. 
And so what we're doing in this episode um, series is we're talking about, you know, how to evaluate. Maybe you're in a situation where your church just isn't the same. They're making steps towards the wrong decisions. And uh, maybe you're moving to a new area and you're trying to find a church. You know, here are 10 warning signs that a church may be that a church may be changing. Personally, in my personal life, I've never seen a church that has begun to institute these these things that we're talking about. I've never seen them stay the same as they were. They've always begun to change more towards the contemporary side of churches to where they begin losing their stand on the Word of God. They begin to stop preaching about sin. They eventually drop some um, some of the stands they used to make. They begin to allow the wrong type of influences and music onto the platform. And so these are some things that I believe you should be aware of and make note of. And um, these are 10 signs that your church is changing. And so I hope and pray that this is a blessing to you. The first episode in this series, we talked about dimming the lights. And uh, I firmly believe, you know, there's not a Bible verse that says, thou shalt not dim the lights. But I firmly believe when a church begins dimming the lights, and I'm not talking about special occasions. I'm not talking about a Christmas Eve candlelight service. I'm not talking about a Christmas cantata, uh, you know, where you have special effect lightings or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this is the way it's going to be from every service from now on, pretty much. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dim the lights. We'll put a little purple light over here and a little green light over here and a little blue light over there. Uh, you know, there's just, it's changing. It's one of the first steps. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. It's not evil to dim the lights, though I think there is something to be said about, you know, the men are lovers of darkness rather than the light. Um, I think there's something to be said in that regard. But I wouldn't say dimming the lights, it's wrong, because div- if dimming the lights was wrong, then you shouldn't dim the lights at your house either. And um, so I'm not going to say it's an outright sin. But I will tell you, every church that I have seen that has begun to dim the lights, they've always, it's one of those first kind of steps towards changing into something that, you know, two pastors ago, they didn't want to be. You know, a pastor, one pastor before, they didn't want to be. And so I think this is an important discussion to have. So that was number one, dimming the lights. If you want to go back here, the four most popular reasons of why um, some modern churches are dimming the lights, we listed those and then gave some reasons why that just doesn't add up. Uh, But here we go. Let's go into number two today. Uh, Where's my church going? Ten signs your church is changing. Number two, I think when a church begins a focus on emotionalism, all right, a focus on emotionalism, I believe that church is beginning to change. And, you know, there, this is a two-sided coin. Sadly, I believe we have let the charismatic, the, the Pentecostal movement, I believe we've let them steal a righteous emotion about the things of God. You know, the pendulum is swung all the way over here to the right side, you know, where they've gone completely overboard with their laughing revivals, their tongues, their interpretive dances. I mean, you know, I opened up YouTube the other day to try and look something up, and there was this video of this Pentecostal choir group singing. And um, I just clicked it because I wanted to see how far they're going. And... um, I'll tell you what, their music was more conservative than some Baptist churches. And, uh, but 
good night. They were like doing dances and all kind of stuff. So about 15 seconds in, I just turned it off. But goodness, they were going crazy. I mean, it was just nuts. So the the pendulum on this on this thing has swung all the way to the right side where they've taken it way overboard. But sadly, I think sometimes as an independent fundamental Baptist, we can try to overcorrect so much that the pendulum swings all the way back over the left side and you go into a church, and it's completely quiet. There's no amens. There's no—that's right, preacher. There's no. There's none of that. It's just—it's like crickets all throughout the service. I think that's completely on the opposite side, you know, because there, there have been too many churches that have allowed that movement to shame us into not saying amen or, or to give a hand clap, you know, and uh, or to, to, you know, to stand or to shout or— you know, um, having a pastor that maybe doesn't stand still behind the pulpit, but, you know, moves around the platform, maybe even runs across the platform. And, um, you know, so I think we have to be careful that we don't let the pendulum really in any area swing too far one way or the other, And um, but stick to what the Bible says. You know, there's a difference. There is a difference between a God-honoring emotion. I mean, you look at David, who the Bible says danced before the Lord. Now, this wasn't your kind of worldly, wicked, jiggling around and dancing and shaking everybody part imaginable. That's not what this was. I'd encourage you to go back and do a study of what this type of biblical dance was. In fact, if you look at Jewish customary dances from back in Jewish custom, very different than what you or I would think of a dance. It's more like ring around the rosies than anything. And uh, But you'll find that that was something within Scripture that David did. I think, though, there is a divine—I don't think, I know there is a dividing line between a Holy Spirit-driven emotion and a fleshly response. Because you can have both, right? You can have both. You can have a, a song that just touches the heart— and there are some people who will take that song and go overboard, and they'll begin singing it a, a slightly different way. They'll get that more, you know, anyway, we're not going to go into all the details of singing um, in this particular episode, maybe. And uh, But, they, you know, you have some people who they're just running around, they're running laps, they're rolling on the floor laughing. And then you got somebody who says amen or maybe stands and lifts a hand and sits back down. There's a dividing line between a Holy Spirit-driven emotion and then a fleshly response. And so here's what happens in a church that becomes more focused on emotionalism. And when I say emotionalism, I'm referring to that more of a more of a fleshly, emotionally driven response. It's not a it's not a Holy Spirit-led response. It is an emotionally driven response. Your emotions have been built up and built up and built up, and suddenly as the release of that emotions come, then we start falling into this trap of this Pentecostal-type movement to where we're speaking in tongues, and we're doing this dance, and uh, we're, you know, clapping and running around and having a laugh and a revival. That is a an emotionally driven response, and it's something that some churches in these movements, they will use the music in a service to build the emotion, build the emotion, build the emotion, build the emotion. There's a reason just uh, maybe a month ago now that um, people charged the platform at this worldly concert, this worldly music concert, and people died because the emotions. By the way, we did a three-part series on music, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But um, music speaks to your emotions, 
And some churches will take advantage of that. They will begin to use the music to build up emotions, to create an emotional response rather than a Holy Spirit response. And we have to be very careful that we're doing a Holy Spirit-led response, you know, a guided amen, rather than turning it over into an emotional just mm, spasm, you might say. And so let me, let me put this to you practically. I've seen many churches who place more of an emphasis on getting emotionally charged than on the preaching of God's Word. Okay, so here's how that looks practically. They will have, in, in a church, they will have a two-hour-long service, which I'm all for. There's nothing wrong with two-hour service. Um, they'll have a two-hour-long service, but, but an hour and a half of that is music. And then the preacher gives an announcement for five minutes, has a 15 to 20-minute sermon at, sermonette, and then, you know, invitation, you know, dismissal for five or ten minutes. You know, I think the focus is in the wrong area. I don't think the focus is in the wrong area. I know the focus is the wrong area. Um, because the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And so I think it's very important. Now, music does play a big part in the church service. Congregational singing, um, special music, those are vital. They're commandments of God found in Ephesians and Colossians. And so it's very important, that song service. It's not just the commercial break before the, before the, um, you know, the, the main show. Um, that's not what it is. They play a vital part. They're command of God. I think they're very vital. I think it's dangerous when a church gets away from having music within their um, worship services. It was, um, oh, and I'm trying to remember his name, uh, Dr. Harold Henniger, who pastored up at the Canton Baptist Temple, who said, you know, you cannot, you cannot have a great ministry without preaching, but you must have um, some great music. I'm not quoting him directly correctly, um, but basically it was along those lines. You have to have both, but you can't go without preaching. Okay, so it's very vital, and I think we begin an emotionally charged church when instead of focusing on the Word of God, we begin to focus on the music. I know of a, uh, of a pastor now who was in evangelism for a while and is now pastoring, and he has gone from a guy who was seemed to be focused on the Word, but has changed to two-hour-long services with an hour and a half of singing. And what he does is he gets all these people emotionally charged, and they're closing their eyes, and they're swaying back and forth, and they're clapping, and, ah, oh my goodness, the song leader can't even stand still, and he's running back and forth and moving over this way and over that way, and all of a sudden they start shaking, and it's just, oh, the Holy Spirit is leading in this place. You know... Mm, I really doubt that. I really doubt that. I think it's more emotionally driven because music speaks to the emotion. And I think we have to be very careful that we do not cut short the Word of God and replace it with more music. There's a place for both, but the primary importance of going to church is getting fed from the Word of God, and that's the primary thing. I think we have to be very careful. There's a reason in my junior church, I tell my junior church kids, I ask the question almost every week, what's the most important part of junior church? It's the preaching. The preaching, Brother Josh. Yes, kids, the preaching is the most important part. So we're going to sing for an hour and a half, and then we're going to preach for 20 minutes. Well, that doesn't add up. That's not the way it works. 
And so I think we have to be very careful that we don't become an emotionally driven church. Let me give you an example. I was, um, this is a personal example from my life. I was in a church where the Sunday night services were, again, they were like two and a half, two hours long. And um, only about 20 minutes of that entire service was the message. And so they would sing a couple hymns, and then they would have a special, and then um, then they would have some more hymns, and then some more specials, and some more specials, and another hymn, and some more specials, and then finally you got around to the preaching. And um, preaching was good, but boy, I could have used some more of it. And um, But I remember one particular time we were there, and uh, we sang... Um, you know that hymn that says, I know, I truly know my name is there. Um, we sang that song. I kid you not. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying. You can confirm it with my family. We sang the chorus of that song 12 times in a row. Song leader said, let's sing it again. Preacher said, let's sing it again. Let's sing it again. Let's sing. I tell you what, by the fourth time we had memorized it. And I think there's some things to be said about repetition as the key to learning but here's what was happening. If I can just be brutally honest, it was just charging the people emotionally. You got a lot of great amens after. Oh, people were pumped up. But were they pumped up by the Holy Spirit or were they pumped up by the emotions? It's a two-sided coin. We have to be very careful. You know, I can understand placing an emphasis on something but this situation that I'm just referring to was more concerned with becoming emotionally charged than responding to God's Word. And we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful. Look, I go to church for three purposes, okay? And these are the three um, in my uh, looking at the Word of God and as I've examined things, I think these are the three main reasons for going to church. Now, there's other reasons as well. Uh, such as service and things of that sort. But these are the three main reasons I believe I go to church. Number one, number one, I go to church to hear from the Word of God and to be fed. That's my number one reason. I go to church to hear from the Word of God and to be fed. Second reason I go to church is to worship God in a congregation. Okay, we're a called-out assembly. And so I go to church to worship God. That's why I think I am very big on doing congregational singing. I think we have an issue if we begin to cut that short. I think we need to have congregational singing. I think specials are important. All right, it gives people a place to not only serve, but it gives us a place to refocus just before the message or whenever the specials are sung. I think it's very important that specials are sung. I think it's great. I think do I think it's a necessity? We have to have somebody sing a special? No. I think it's fine if we just have congregational hymns and preaching. I think it's fine. I enjoy a good special. I enjoy a good special song by a quartet or a, a ladies' trio or even a solo or a duet by a husband and wife. I, I enjoy those things, and I think they serve a purpose in preparing the heart. So I go to church to hear from God's Word. I go to church to worship with the, with the fellow members of the, of the church. And then number three, I go there for fellowship. That's what you find in the book of Acts. When they, were, when they were saved, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. They went there. You'll find that they went daily. They went into the Word of God. They worshiped Him. And you'll find they did breaking of bread. They were fellowshipping together. 
And I think we get away from those things sometimes when we focus more on being an emotionally charged church rather than focusing on the purpose of the church and what it's supposed to serve in our life. And so when I go to church, I want everything I do to be focused on those main purposes. Now, I go to church to be a service as well. And I think it's very important that you as a church member find a place to serve and you get involved and be there and be willing to serve. I think, that, as I said, there's some other important reasons for going to church, but those are the three most important. And so everything I do leading up to that point within a service, I want, listen closely, I want it to guide me and direct me to those three main points. Why do I do a handshaking time in church? You know, often if you're in a normal IFB church, you know, one of the parts of the services we often do is maybe during a Sunday night service, during the second hymn, you know, we'll take a stanza and people walk around and shake hands. What's the purpose? The purpose serves toward pushing people to fellowship. It's an important part of the service. It's an important part of church. It develops fellowship. By the way, some people will shake the hand of somebody they never would have shaken their hand before because normally they walk right out the door when service is done. It encourages people to fellowship. It makes connections. So it points. Handshaking time, is it a requirement? No, but it points people to fellowship. As we talked about earlier, the specials, what do they do? They point people to worshiping God, and they point people to the Word of God. So everything we do in church, we want it to point to those three main purposes. Here's where we're going to get to. I believe that when we become a place that is so focused on the music, we begin to detract from the preaching of the Word of God. When in reality, the music is there to point us, to guide us, and to prepare our hearts for the preaching of God's Word. Because music can be a heart tenderizer. It can tenderize your heart before the preaching of God's Word. It can tenderize it. It can prepare you for a good response, but in the same way, yes, and we can prove this not from just a Christian viewpoint, but from just a world's viewpoint. The world even says that music speaks to your emotion. Music is an emotional language. And go back and listen to our three-part music series on that, but it's very important you understand music speaks, and what are we doing with it? Are we using it to just build people up emotionally? Or are we actually guiding people to be directed and led by the Holy Spirit? I don't know that singing a chorus of a song 12 times in a row was leading me to a Holy Spirit-led response or an emotionally-led response. I would say... Most likely, definitely, it was leading me to more of an emotional response rather than a Holy Spirit-led response. And I think we have to be very careful. So if you're moving to a new area and you're looking for a church, I would watch some of those services online before I move and say, you know, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to charge people up emotionally, or are they trying to get people to develop a Holy Spirit-led response. And I think it's very important that we keep an eye on those things, because remember, as I talked about at the beginning, the pendulum can swing way over one way, but it can also swing way over to the next. 
And so I think when we get a focus on emotionalism, we have a sign that our church is beginning to change. So I hope that gives you another step. We'll give another point here on the next episode of Where's My Church Going? Ten Signs That Your Church Is Changing. And so I want to thank you, though, for listening today to the podcast. We are going to play for you another um, Christmas song today. Today we're going to play for you Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King. And this will be off of the CD entitled A Christ-Centered Christmas. And this is with Dr. Scott Cottle, been on the podcast before, and so with permission from him, you can go and buy that. Well, you can, with permission from him, we play this song. But I'm sure it's with his permission as well. You can go to drscottcoddle.com, and you can go to the online store and buy the uh, Christ-Centered Christmas CD, a great CD to have in your collection. But for now, friends, this is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hey, I hope you have a wonderful day. Keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the new Second birth, 